0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zance, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. We're back from the bye. I know we didn't do a show last week. We apologize to everybody who was on pins and needles waiting for us. But Russo, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, man. I
1: know. It's been... Uh... Personally, I think for both of us, it's been crazy busy. But uh, I think that's it. That's a good thing for the most part. But yeah, happy to be back. I'm back and better than ever, man. Where let's uh, let's kick this off. Jets are three and three out of the bye week. I think all of us would have been happy with that, even if Aaron Rodgers were here. Schedule lightens up. Let's see where it takes us. Let's start with getting a W against the Giants this weekend, right?
0: Yeah that's the hope I mean the Jets are coming off one of their best wins in you know I don't know five ten years I don't it's definitely the best win of the Robert Sala era we never got a chance to recap it but since it's been over a week already I don't really want to like keep going about it but I'm excited the other the one thing I'm thinking about though in my head is just like this is such a post bye week like ultimate high letdown for the Jets like we've seen time and time again like They've had a monster win, and then they come back down to earth. And I think I actually said this um, leading into the Eagles game. If the Jets found the way to win the game, they would come out of the bu- – and lose to the Giants. You did. I'm not trying to speak that to existence, but at the same time, it's like you need to prove that consistency, and that's something that the Jets really haven't had. I would say since they won five straight games in 2015, but if you really want to go to sustain success, it was probably 2009, 2010 when they're actually winning and beating good teams on the regular – but yeah, it's it's a weird spot because the Giants, who I'm happy they actually won against Washington. I didn't want them to be a desperate team who what one in one and six coming into this game. It makes me feel a little bit better that they got that Schneid off their back. But uh, how are you feeling about this? Do you feel confident? Do you feel like as a Jets fan, like you know, we're always set up for failure when it, in these situations? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I think the always
1: the, the go-to term is always cautiously optimistic. I think. I think the Jets are the better team. There's no question in my mind that they are. I think on both sides of the ball, they're just simply better. Um, Nothing about the Giants really scares me. It's just a matter of if the Jets have that kind of classic letdown that they've been known to have. Like you said, either coming out of the bye and or coming out of a big win, which now they're coming out of both. So, but I, I, I just, you know, I have to believe that history doesn't really mean anything, that this team is different. And I think they're resilient. I think there's something here that they're building upon and i do just i think they match up well with the giants and yeah i mean listen give the giants credit uh buffalo's a tough team you know washington has proved to be proven to be scrappy as well they played them both tough but in both of those games they put up 9 and 14 points and i don't think that either washington or buffalo's defense is of the caliber that the jets is yeah. so that's where i think it kind of points it, you know listen if the jets can get to 17 20 I, i'd feel safe here um yeah. but i i really you know it, I don't think that the defense will let us down. Whether have we got an official word if it's Daniel Jones or Tyrod yet? So
0: I did see. I think about two hours ago that um, it's officially Tyrod Taylor, which I think <laughs> I, I don't think I'm in a minority here. But believe it or not, I think a lot more Jeff fans would have liked to see Daniel Jones. Number one because he has been playing well this year, but number two, um, you know, it's you know Tyrod's looked pretty competent the last two weeks even when they lost to the Bills he's moving the ball down the field and their offense has looked a lot better i know they only scored like you said like 14 and 9 points but they're at least moving the ball between the 20s where it seemed like they were like basically unable to even move the ball i think against Miami their only touchdown was a pick six and then they weren't scoring um i guess against Seattle and i can't even remember yeah. all their opponents um but to me i, I just i feel you know, a little nervous because of the 2015 um, Week 17 game against Buffalo when Tyra beat us. But it really wasn't Tyra. It was more like Fitz throwing the game away because yeah. you know, we had a chance. And Fitz obviously threw three interceptions and it was miserable in that second half. But I will say Tyra doesn't scare me as much with his legs the way Daniel Jones does. I think Daniel Jones is way more lethal with his legs. But I think Tyra could beat you more with his arm not necessarily in deep down the field. I think Jones can actually like sling a little bit, but I think Tyrod's going to make the safe throws and operate the offense the way that D- table would like it to be operated. Um, I think you need to ensure that you're not getting down Darren wall open in the middle of the field. It seemed like he was in the witness protection program up until last week. And now that Tyrod knows to find him, I think that's been a, an area of weakness for the jets. I think that they've had trouble with some tight ends, but to me, the biggest thing for the Jets is can you stop Saquon Barkley? The Jets have not been great against the run. That's been one of their you know weaknesses on a very, very strong defense that had an unbelievable performance against Philadelphia two weeks ago. But Saquon is really the engine that drives with the Giants do. Even when Daniel Jones is back there, if Saquon's cooking their offense, is going to score some points. He, I would say, you know, you can't expect them to do uh, one yard like he, in 2019, but if you could keep him under, you know, like 70 and you're not letting him beat you like through the air as well, because that is something that he does extremely well is, you know, catch the ball in the backfield. I do think the jets defense has, you know, the capability to really keep this giant offense in check. What, what are your thoughts?
1: I agree. I mean, yeah, I think uh, Joe Caparroso said it uh, best on Badlands that he still has PTSD from 2015 and Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> but I think we quickly like we go back to that. But we kind of forget, um, you know, 2016. I think we kind of had his number and that was a that was a very down year for the Jets. Um, and. Was it twenty sixteen? Yeah, I believe it was twenty sixteen. And then the, the the Baker year, right? The Jets had Tyrod's number when he was in Cleveland, and then after that, Baker came in and and you know did us and got the first win for Cleveland in a year and a half. But yeah. either way, I, I don't think either DJ or or Tyrod really scare me. I think you're absolutely right that that Saquon's kind of the uh, the one person that you really have to worry about. Um, but I think he's the catalyst to get it going. But, again, he's a difference, a difference maker on a Giants offense that just really doesn't scare you overall. And the Jets defense yeah. has been so good this year, and now their secondary is getting healthy. Their defensive line, I mean, Bryce Huff and and Jermaine Johnson are playing at insane levels right now. So I think those can be the difference makers. So the question for me really goes to the other side of the ball, you know, where – is the Jets offense developing? Were they able to hit the reset button or find out some things you know, Nathaniel Hackett, was he able to discover some things with their red zone offense to, to really be able to take the offense from a, you know, a C minus level to a C plus or a B minus if they can't, because between the twenties, the Jets offense is moving the ball well. Right. And they've kind of crossed They've, they've jumped over that hurdle. Now it's time to get the ball in the end zone. I think the story in Denver was when they got to the red zone, I think they got too simplistic. They were run, run, pass, didn't get in. I think the story in against Philly was they got themselves into the red zone, they shot themselves in the foot. Now, some of that was questionable officiating. Other things were just penalties, play calls, whatever. Can they figure those things out to get those threes into sevens? And if they can get two touchdowns this game, I think the the Jets are going to win it um, relatively easily. So I start off by saying I'm cautiously optimistic the Then I sound pretty confident here. So I'm contradicting myself a little bit, but that's just I really the, the, there's not much about the Giants that really, truly scare me here.
0: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say that does scare me a little bit is the amount that they do blitz, especially with how the Jets offense fine looks from the last time we saw it. Yeah. I don't expect Joe Tipton to play. I believe he was rolled out. I'm not 100 percent, but he has not been practicing all week. Um, obviously, no ABT is, is, is pretty scary as well but you got to hope that, you know, Lakin continues to play well, uh, that Schweitzer can fill in and do what he did against Philly. Obviously, Beckton continuing his really strong play after obviously missing the better, pa- the better part of two years. Um, but that's the thing. If they're going to be blitzing a lot, you got to make sure that Zach is hitting those quick throws to get the ball out of his hands. Like, it's that's been something that's been tough for him, but we have seen improvements in that area this year. And I think that'll set the J- the Jets up to have, you know, easy completions. And I think You know, Tyler Conklin has to be a beneficiary of that because that's always really his safety valve when, you know, things are kind of chaotic.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: I do hope that we see Izzy Ivana I don't think that that's going to happen. I I think it's more likely that we actually see a guy like Brownlee because Randall Cobb is trending to not play. I I mean, I don't know for certain. Um, But I want to see Gibson more involved in the offense. And I I know there's been a lot of discourse, especially since the McCall Hartman trade, which we haven't talked about either. Uh, since we didn't do a show last week but like you know gibson obviously had that amazing you know game-winning return against buffalo but he hasn't done that much on offense i think he's accumulated what like 30 something yards between uh receptions and um a couple handoffs so i am interested to see what he could do in a bigger role if he did take Cobb's uh spot in the lineup this weekend but I also don't want to, you know, crown him as like this like amazing player because he's been fine. I mean, like he's doing his job in the return game and that's definitely helped the Jets, you know, secure good field position. But he hasn't really been trusted to or really, you know, that hasn't really been on his, put on his plate to to carry this that slot position role. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, if Dalvin Cook is completely phased out. I know he um, he was a little bit upset yesterday when he was talking to the media about his reduced role, but you know, when you look at it, and I I know you had that, I think you had that tweet about it. It's like, it's pretty obvious why you're not getting a lot of carries. You don't have a lot of juice, even though I've seen him actually look a little bit better the, the past two games. I think against Denver and Philadelphia, he showed a little bit more, but again, he's not showing the ability to get first downs. He's not, he's not really been adequate in pass protection. So I do want to see more of Izzy, but I will say if it comes between Michael Carter and Dalvin Cook, I'm going with, um, Dalvin Cook, just because Michael Carter's been horrible this season, and it's a shame because he was a play. That's a player that I really liked during his rookie year and mm-hmm. going into 2022. And I just feel like ever since that play in Buffalo, when he fumbled when the Jets were really in pole position to maybe steal that game, he's he not looked the same. And I know he's been you know a little bit moody on the sidelines. But it's like if you're going if you're going to complain about playing time, you have to catch the ball when it's thrown your way. I know that was a long-winded answer. I talked about a couple things, but what yeah. what are your thoughts on the running backs and really how the offense will look as a whole against that blitz?
1: Yeah, I mean, you go back to your original point and how Zach Wilson will look at, against the blitz. I think Zach Wilson has obviously shown significant improvement over the course of the last three weeks, right, since the New England game. Yes. Um, the one thing that you could point to where he is he's obviously um, gotten better with turnovers, the one that you could point to that he's still struggling with, is identifying or feeling the pressure and taking sacks that he probably doesn't need to take. So yeah. that's what really scares you with this wing defense and then bringing the house. The other part of it is I think historically, and I don't have any stats on this, but it just feels like he gets a lot of balls batted down at the line. So you figure if they're blitzing in your face, like that could be another thing to watch out for. If they could set up a screen game, so you made the point to Brees to Conklin, like that's the way to circumvent the blitz, and that's the way to make it a lot harder on that defense and make them think twice before doing it, you know, mm-hmm. again and again and again. And if they can do that, if they can set up the screen game where uh Conklin and Brees are the beneficiaries of that, then obviously that'll go a long way towards the Jets offense kind of getting going and maybe being able to take deeper shots to Garrett Wilson and Lazard. Um, from a running back standpoint, yeah, I, I just I think the perfect scenario is to it's it sucks because I'm with you on Michael Carter. I, I was I was very high on him in his rookie year. I thought he had a great rookie season. It's a shame. I, thought, I thought he had big plans for year two, and it does seem like it just fell off the cliff after that Buffalo fumble. But I think really the perfect scenario is you trade away Michael Carter to a team that needs him where they can utilize him. You activate Izzy, you have Brees as your clear number one, Izzy as your two, and Dalvin as your third down running back. From Dalvin's standpoint, like, is he frustrated? Yeah, I get that. Do you have to be vocal about that with the media? I don't think so. To say that you need some more carries to get going, well, you know what? There's a guy in the backfield that's the clear cut number one and what top three running back in this league that clearly doesn't need, you know, 25 carries to get himself rolling because he had 10 for 127 in the opener on, you know, half an ACL. So I just don't think that, uh, I don't think that argument really holds up. Um, you know, jumping into to Gibson and Cobb and and Brownlee and the the wide receiver group, yeah. Uh, you know the the Mikal Hardman thing. It's it's frustrating because on a team where Zach Wilson is your quarterback, you feel like they should find a way to just be able to utilize weapons and speed. And they're kind of dodging the question. Robert Sala specifically was saying, "Well, it's a testament to to uh, Xavier Gibson. Well, Gibson's got one catch, two carries, right? Like that's." That's not necessarily singing his praises. I get that he showed it in in, in in training camp, but um he's not really shown it on the field yet. So I felt like they could have been able to utilize uh Hardman more. Um granted, listen, it you know, when when Rogers went down, uh Mecole probably his role you know severely diminished, but I would just I'd like to see a little more creativity. I was a, a big defender of, of Randall Cobb. I think contrary to popular belief, especially in the TOJ crowd, I got to fall off my stance. I mean, Joe continues to say it and I can't disagree with him. Like he's statistically the worst offensive player in the league. And there's, there's really no reason anymore. I think Gibson should take that, uh, should clearly take his role. I think you, you get Brownlee in there. I think he at least gives you some size and maybe some red zone ability to help out with that some jump ball ability. I think you just yeah. start to see what you have because what you're getting out of somebody these guys just isn't uh it's it's not it I thought that Cobb would be able to kind of bring you that security blanket that savvy veteran that knows where to get to the sticks and knows how to make that first down in a in a, in a tough third down but he just hasn't really shown that to date and I think the the bad uh obviously outweighs the good with Randall Cobb at this point I
0: mean for so my long-winded response in? to yours he the one play Cobb made is, is when he reached for that first down. That's like he literally did nothing. This I was year. really <laughs>
1: hanging on to that one. That one play was so great that I was really <laughs> hanging on to it. I'll be happy to admit that I was wrong on Cobb. I know they can't get rid of him. Like Rogers has plans to return next year. That's going to be the biggest reason as to why they, they keep him. But they can certainly, they can they certainly phase keep him out him
0: next year. Like I'm sorry, I,
1: but hey, listen, you have to tread carefully. Rogers is finicky. He everything is great and I still love the guy, but he's starting to show his true colors here and there. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, Uh, I mean, you just have to tread carefully. If, if, if Randall, if keeping Randall Cobb on the roster, but you know, not giving him all the playing time over these guys, that's a a small sacrifice to make.
0: I'm, yes, but you know, it was funny. And you mentioned this, you mentioned how you know, carbids will change the second Rogers got hurt. In my opinion, it should have been the opposite. I think Agreed. that Cobb's role should have changed. And Hardman was more involved in the offense that, because Cobb is a Rogers guy. that that doesn't that, It doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you think about it in that perspective.
1: That's actually a very good point. Surprisingly, like you're, <laughs> I, I haven't heard, you're really the first person to bring it up. Like because, why, everyone talks about Gibson for Cobb. How come nobody talked about Hardman for Cobb? You're, that's a, that's a very valid argument.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, the Hardman thing is a moot point at this, at you know, at this juncture because yes. he's not here anymore and it's fine. And like, I personally like. I don't think that you know it was like this epic failure. I mean, what did they pay him like four million bucks, and they got a pick back. Like he never real like he showed flashes in Kansas City. Granted, he had Mahomes giving him the ball, but he never was like this like superstar player or like this really elect. He wasn't like Percy Harvin in his prime or anything. He just had a couple plays. That's it. It's not like he was he was intriguing because you liked the skill set and you thought that he could bring more than a Barrios, but. He really wasn't this this like great player, and I don't think like Gibson just yet is, and I hope, I hope that, that he is good. I mean, listen, I'm not going to go crazy about it at this point, but um, I do want to talk about Sauce and Reed because we did get confirmation from Solid this morning that they both are returning to the lineup. I thought that obviously it was weird that um, that Reed couldn't come back la- last game, and obviously the whole Sauce situation was strange because no one even thought that he was hurt. He's, I think he, everyone thought he. Wasn't feeling well or something, and people thought that it, it was like a. I think there was a joke he had like diarrhea or something like that, <laughs> but um, it's just funny because, like, we go into last game and it's you know a combination of Bryce Hall, who I gotta give a lot of credit to. He was somebody that we were very down on, and he's held up really well the last two games. Um, what's it called? It was a Tay, it was a Tay? Was it Tay Hayes or whatever? Tay <laughs> Hayes, yeah. Tay Hayes and, and Craig, Craig James, James. Craig, Craig James. James. Listen, those guys are depth pieces. no Eccles and now Eccles is also returning this week, which is yep. nice. Um I'm excited to get Austin Reed back. I think it's going to be a huge boost for this defense. I think, you know, when you look at it, they're going to be able to, you know, make life difficult for Tyron Taylor. I think that, you know, when he has those guys who are fringe NFL players, you know, on the back end, it's he's not going to be as he's not going to be scared to throw, but I think it's going to shift their, you know, their game plan. I don't think that they're going to try to go deep. Not that that's Tyrod's game anyway, but like just having those guys back is amazing. And honestly, Michael Carter the second, I saw this like PFF stat that came out yesterday. He's like literally the best slot corner in the league right now, and he is so so good. And it's it's like it's unbelievable how a guy like him, you know, was like a what was he a third or fourth round pick? I can't even remember. He's become this. Yeah, he's he's an excellent player, and you got to remember the Giants like to throw the ball to guys in the slot. Whether it's mm-hmm. Slayton, I guess like Jalen Hyatt also has that ability, but he definitely plays on the outside. It's important for Michael Carter. Like we need to make sure that he's healthy, and he you know he's going to continue to produce. He's, I think he's the most underrated player on the team. Would you agree?
1: Yes, I just think slot corner is such a hard position to play, and it's one of those where you're only noticed for you're i shouldn't say only but you're often noticed when you're bad like circa buster screen back in the day right uh he would get flagged you know 19 times a game it was awful but michael carter is yeah quietly one of the if not the best slot corn in the league and yes certainly an underappreciated and under uh, underrated player on the jets without a doubt and credit to joe douglas for finding this guy on day three of the of the draft like that's that's a huge find to get someone like that who is you know to Jets today's Ray Mickens like Ray Mickens was an incredible slot corner for that team for years. When you solidify that position, it does a lot of things for your defense. Drew
0: Coleman, great player. Drew Coleman, he, great player. And um, who's the other guy that we had pool who went to the Falcons. I can't remember his name. But oh yes.
1: Um, oh geez. Was it Brian Poole? I think it was Brian Poole. He had, that, oh, he had a good yeah. pick six uh, against <laughs> Oakland
0: back when they were Oakland or Vegas. I know it's kind of crazy. Okay. So we've talked about that. Uh, someone in the chat actually wrote about extending cuff. That's another thing that the Jets have to do. I'm surprised that there wasn't even like some sort of rumbling that they had had conversations or even sent him an offer. To me, if they are making a huge mistake if they don't do this before the end of the season. I mean, I think worst case scenario, they probably franchise tag him, even though people are like, it's crazy that he'd be making $20 million, but like statistically he deserves crazy money. Like, I think you, you meet him in the middle somewhere like between like, Basically what Carl Lawson got, maybe a little bit more on the open market, but Bryce Huff needs to be on the team long-term. I, I know Carl Lawson is probably going to get moved, like traded or released or whatever it may be, but this guy, he's our best pure pass rusher on the team, and I think he's going to explode coming out of the bye week. What do you think about Huff?
1: I agree, and when you get homegrown talent like this, particularly UDFAs, like you don't let them go. and if you look at like the Jets defense was top five last year, we talk a lot on the show about um, how they faltered down the stretch and really what they did was teams could pick them apart in the middle of the field because they weren't going to attack the outside. Well, the biggest differences in this defense versus last year's defense, especially that tail end the the tail six games there was Jermaine Johnson and Bryce Huff are both playing better than the 2022 versions of the, of themselves. And better than any defensive line or any edge rusher uh, on the 2022 team right so they're both significantly improved that with bryce huff getting on the field more and getting pressures every time he's out there is just that's what's setting this team apart you couple that with the um, improvement from quincy williams tony adams quietly solidifying himself as as you know a good free safety opposite jordan whitehead And CJ Mosley still being quietly one of the best linebackers in the game and being very good in coverage. Like that's why this defense is setting itself apart and is able to do things like shut down Philly, who is the defending NFC champion with corners that we didn't know who they were two weeks ago. (laughs) So, yes, when you get a chance to get a guy like Bryce Huff and extend him and keep him here, I wouldn't wait for the market to dictate itself or I wouldn't wait to give him an opportunity to test the open market. Um, And from Bryce's angle, like one of those, you know, He's got to know how good he has it here. I, I would give credit to Sal and Ulbrich for, for – and I think Aaron Whitecotton, right? He's a defensive yeah. uh, line coach for unlocking this guy's potential. So, think, grass isn't always green on the other side, but from a Jets standpoint, yeah. I would, I would lock him in early rather than later because you want this guy in green and white for years to come. With him yeah. and J.J., who are both, what, 25 and under, I would say, I, I want to yeah. say. Yeah, like – I mean, you are you are in very good shape and hopefully the progression of Will McDonald, as we see through the course of this season and next. That's uh, that's a scary, scary edge group, which is a good thing. I mean, this could be the, the, you know, 2023 version of the sack exchange.
0: Can you imagine? I mean, they just got to make sure that these that like they don't mess this up and. I will say that they've been very progressive in the sense of, like, if there's guys who deserve contracts, essentially, they did it with JFM, uh, they did it with Quinnen. I, I feel pretty good about it. I mean, the difference here is that now they have to think about guys like Sauce, guys like Brees and, um, and Garrett, because those guys, I mean, it's not for a little bit, but those contracts are, the bill is going to come and they have to think about it more strategically. Whereas, like, we rarely were giving extensions to guys because the regime kept changing and we didn't have players even worthy of those extensions. So I'm fascinated to see how this all plays out, but I, I really believe it's hard. I, I think it's hard to believe a scenario where Bryce Hoff is not with the Jets, at least next year, but I don't think that they're going to mess around here. I think that he, he'll be a jet long-term. I mean, it's, it's just, you can't mess this up. Like, you have to get this done.
1: It's too simple to not happen. It just makes too much sense, but yeah, We've seen crazier things, man. <laughs> We're jets. <are. laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. So the game is obviously on Sunday, two days mm-hmm. away. Jets are laying three points. What is your prediction about what happens on Sunday? Because I'm nervous, but I I, I I feel I feel good, but I'm nervous. What What's your prediction?
1: Yeah, I uh, I think um, I honestly think the Jets win this one by double digits. Okay.
0: It's again
1: I. I <laughs> I don't have any justifiable reason to be scared of this game. Like on paper and and everything that I've seen says the Jets match up well. Nothing about the Giants offense truly scares me. And I think the Jets coming off a bye and I think Sala kind of making the tweaks. He made, he, he made the comment that year one, we went too hard out of the bye or into the bye. Year two, we went too soft. This year, we're going in the middle. I just have a feeling that this team is just different and they're going to figure this out. I can't see the Giants who scored nine and then 14, like lighting up this Jets defense. I just can't. I'm not scared of their receivers. Darren Waller scares me, but he's been hidden for most of the year. Yeah. Saquon scares me, but and it, honestly, like you pointed out, the, the Jets rushing, you know, rush defense. I don't think they've been that bad. I think where their Achilles heel is is scrambling quarterbacks. You know, you look at Kansas City rush for what? Let's see, 204 yards against us. How much of that was Patrick Mahomes? How much of that was that last drive that was handed to him by the officials? Same thing with Denver. A lot of that was Russell Wilson on scrambles. They did a nice job against Philly. They held him to 80 yards. Now, Philly didn't even try to run the ball, so that's another story in there. There's just not much about this Giants team on either side of the ball that really scares me. So I think that the Jets somewhat figure out their red zone woes. Um, I think they get two touchdowns. I think they also get two field goals. I think the score is 20-9. to Jets win. Okay.
0: Um, I don't think double digit win, but I do think that the Jets win. I'm going to say uh, 21 14. The over under is, uh, I believe, 36 and a half. So it's just going under. And I, I think that this is going to be an ugly football game. I think just the way the Jets play, you know, they're not this, you know, flashy Miami Dolphins, greatest show on turf type offense, you know. Touchdowns are hard to come by, but I do think they should be able to move the ball on the Giants. I, I do think they're going to be better in the red zone. I mean, I'm not saying they'd be perfect, but I do think that they will take advantage, like you said, and score some touchdowns. Um, I, but I think they control the game defensively. I think they force a couple turnovers, whether it's you know interceptions or fumbles. I, I think it's also possible, and I know people were saying they that they get like a, a defensive touchdown. I just kind of feel like they're... They're finally getting to that point where they're making those types of plays. I know it felt like forever until Quincy obviously had that strip sack and then Bryce Hall took it to the house. But I do think that this Giants offensive line, especially now that uh, Andrew Thomas is doubtful, I believe John Michael Schmitz might be playing. But again, it's not an offensive line that they should you know have struggles with just because we've seen them dominate a lot of offensive lines. I mean, they dominated Philly's offensive And I know Lane Johnson got hurt early in the game, but they've shown an ability to get home no matter who, who their opponent is. So I do feel good, but I know it's going to be closer than, we, than we'd than we like it to be. I think that they're going to – you know, Saquon's going to make some plays. I don't think he's going to be held to one yard like he was four years ago. And I know he actually had said, said as much uh, that that game kind of sticks with them forever just because, number one, grow up a Jets fan, which is, it's kind of funny that he plays for the Giants and grow a Jets fan. I feel like that's not something you hear very often, but number two, it's just like, he feels like that was like his worst game ever as a pro. So I, I think that the Jets are going to, you know, make us feel good. And I, I think, you know, just going into November being four and three is such an amazing thing. And it, it's, I know that last year in November, they were above 500, but it's just we haven't seen it consecutive years in a long time. And I do find, think they find a way to get it done. I really do.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, you know, the schedule quote unquote lightens up. So this is an important stretch. If you can get to, if they're five and four going into Buffalo, I think that's good. But if they can get themselves to six and three, if somehow they can rip off these next three, which on paper again they don't scare you. You got the you got the Giants who uh, we we've said it. You know, there's nothing about the Giants that really truly scare you. Now listen, there's it's the Jets, so anything could happen. But
0: the Chargers <laughs> like coming up.
1: across country for a Monday night game, we traveled to Las Vegas, who it seems like a mess and is just uh whatever Josh McDaniels does out there, man. I, I don't I don't know <laughs> what's going on. So they can, if they he's just not if they can get themselves to six and three going to Buffalo and Buffalo is a team we match up well against. I mean, even if they just play Buffalo tough, this could be it could be a different conversation come end of November and end of December for this Jets team. We could be it's just it has a feel that it's different. and uh, And and Zach Wilson playing. C-plus football as opposed to F-minus football is a big reason as Yeah, it's nice. (laughs) And and having, you know, a healthy Brees Hall, uh, Garrett Wilson, who clearly has miraculously taken a step despite everything, a step forward, um, it just feels different. Now, I will go back to say, like, you know, we talk about the red zone things. Maybe Hackett needs to take a page out of of, uh, Mike LaFleur's book and get a little creative, get a little gadgety down there. Like, figure some things out. I think that's – whatever gets us in the end zone, like, it doesn't matter how it looks. Just yeah. get us there.
0: He doesn't but. need to be pretty. Okay. Before we go, one bold prediction, or is bold? A prediction you have for the second half of the season. I know we're uh, basically at the midway point. I'm putting you on the spot. I'll go. I think Brees Hall ends up being a top three rusher in the NFL, not the AFC, the NFL. Like he's going to, I think he's really going to hit his stride now that he has a bunch of games under his belt and he's shown the ability to break that home run. And I, I think we're going to see a lot of that going forward. I gave you a second. I like so, what do you think? I, really, you I really
1: like it. My bold prediction is I think the Jets get the 10 wins.
0: Real? Okay. Name those 10 wins. <laughs> All right.
1: I, mean, I think they, I, I do think they win the next three. So, I think you get the six and three going to Buffalo. I think they lose at that Buffalo. That's six and four. I think they win the Black Friday game against Miami. That's seven and three. Oh, I think after that, you only need three. So, I think Atlanta and Houston, you probably go one and one there. So, now you're eight and four you lose to at Miami you're 8 and 5 and you win two of the next three Washington, Cleveland, New England. Okay. And that gets yeah, you, They got like to I, win that New they England. They have to win that New England. They can't
0: go into next year losing to New England. Like all right, really that's they
1: There are so many monkeys that Robert Sala has gotten off the back. The division wins, the uh uh beating Philadelphia. There's a couple others that I'm forgetting because as we check them off, we like forget about them, but Beating New England has to be one of them. I don't care how it's done. I don't care if New England is two and fourteen at that time, and Jets have a spot <laughs> locked up. Throw the kitchen sink at them, you get it done. They have to beat New
0: England. I I agree. Um, any closing thoughts as we wrap it up before we go into Giants Week?
1: No, man. I'm. Uh, I appreciate everyone that uh, has stayed with us. I know the scheduling has been a bit clunky, as you and I like we said. Bi- personal lives have been a lot busy. of stuff going on. Busy. Um, but we're excited to kind of get back on a, uh, on a more, uh, uh, you know, static schedule here and, and keep it with us through the remainder of the season. So it should be yes. fun.
0: Yes. We will try to also make sure that we get you guys a audio only that's on the pod feed, uh, once a week as well, in addition to our live shows. So thank you for everyone who was patient in this two week period of no shows. We promise we will be consistent going forward. Um, If you have not, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts. Just search Turn on the Jets Live. You should see the logo that if you're watching right now, you see it in the right corner. Um, Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel for youtube.com slash at Badlands TOJ. You get this show, you get clips from Badlands, you get it from all the other shows on the Badlands feed, including Buck the Trend and also the other guys. And obviously, last but not least, make sure if you have not already, you become a Badlands Patreon member. Best premium jets content. The guys have been crushing it. And plenty of shows. Almost seems like almost every day there's a new podcast. Whether it's War Room, it's uh, Film Room, Buck the Trend, other guys with the general show. But it's it's great stuff. We appreciate everybody who tuned in, and we'll talk to you guys next week.